Well, here we are tonight. It's good to be here. And as we've heard a little bit, uh, we are just moving into a season uh, where we are in Vision Builders time, which is wonderful. And uh, if you were here tonight and you're like, oh, what is Vision Builders? Probably the best way just to get a bit of a snapshot is to grab this card on your seat, pop it in your purse and have a bit of a read through. But it is where as a church we get a chance. Was that your purse, Mick? I think you do have one. I've seen your collection before, Mick. It's multicoloured, actually, and there's all sorts of ones. Not true, not true. Mick, Mick is the man of mans. He was telling me he took some men fishing yesterday. They got to the wharf. What time did you arrive? Yeah, early in the morning, five-ish, and uh, then they got a call saying the boat had broken down. So like all real men, they went out for breakfast together. All is good, all is good. But yeah, here's this card, it's on your seat and it tells you a little bit about uh, what this is, what we do as a church to really go and make a significant difference here in our community and around the world. And there's a pretty nice picture, top right, it's got a bit of a crew from uh, Bankstown on it, which is awesome. Dan Tinker, I think I saw Dan here before, and uh, Enoch and Hinney and uh, Dish and Andrea, which is awesome. So there's a little bit of information about there, and we can't wait to celebrate with you at this beautiful dinner. Uh, it's like going to like a, I don't know, like a glorious kind of big wedding banquet uh, together. It's the only time in the entire calendar where all of us from our 10 locations around Sydney under the leadership of Pastor Finlay Chris, come together. Uh, some of the other times we meet together are like presence conferences where there's people from other churches and from around the globe in Australia. But this is our moment. It's our night where we come and we join together and we have a wonderful time. So please go out to that Next Step Bar tonight and come. Just put your name down. It's, uh, it's free of charge to come and it'll be great to have dinner with you on that night. Well... Vision Builders. I'm really grateful that when I heard about Vision Builders um, 16 years ago, there's something in the side of me that just said, I am in. I am into this. I heard about it. I heard about this great vision and the faith behind it. And I thought as a newly married man to my wife, Natalie, she had been uh, at C3 for a few years before me. She was already into it. But I thought I'm into that. And that meant that we're into that. And it has been a great joy of ours to be uh, into this. So let me open the scriptures here tonight. We're going to start in Matthew. Matthew chapter 9, verse 35 is where we're going to read. We're going to read through. There's about four verses here. Skip into the following chapter and read Matthew 10, 1, and then 5 to 8. It says this, Then Jesus went about all the cities and villages, teaching in their synagogues, preaching the gospel of the kingdom, and healing every sickness and every disease among the people. But when he saw the multitudes, he was moved with compassion for them, because they were weary and scattered, like sheep having no shepherd. Then he said to his disciples, the harvest truly is plentiful, but the laborers are few. Therefore pray the Lord of the harvest to send out laborers into his harvest. And when he had called his 12 disciples to him, he gave them power over unclean spirits, to cast them out, to heal all kinds of sickness and all kinds of diseases. These 12 Jesus sent out and commanded them, saying, Do not go into the way of the Gentiles, do not enter a city of the Samaritans, but go rather to the lost sheep 
of the house of Israel. And as you go, preach, saying, the kingdom of heaven is at hand. Heal the sick, cleanse the lepers, raise the dead, cast out demons. Freely you have received, freely give. As we look at this passage, you'll notice that at the start of it, it talks about how Jesus was on the move. That Jesus went out. See, the thing about Jesus was, he didn't stay stationary. He wasn't born in a location and just say, I'm, I'm stuck here and I'm not getting out with this message that uh, I'm telling to the world. Jesus was all about having his message and getting that message out. He traveled. He traveled a lot. Uh, a lot of uh, commentaries are, are trying to put together, how far did Jesus travel? Well, they estimate that in the three ministry years of Jesus, uh, between 30 and 33, he traveled about a little bit over 5,000 kilometers. That's, uh, that's a fair bit of distance, particularly when you haven't got a uh, Holden Cruise to take you around on the journey. Uh, for Jesus, it was on foot. For Jesus, it was walking on uh, roads, roads that were full of dirt and rocks and weren't necessarily that flat. He was all about getting out what he had to the people. He wasn't confined. He had to get this message out. 5,000 kilometers is uh, here to the Gold Coast is just over 800. So it's kind of like doing that six times, up, once, down, up, down, up. It was a lot of distance covered, but he was passionate about getting what he had out to the people. He didn't just go and visit the great and wealthy cities. He did those, but he also did the poor ones. He did the obscure villages. He went everywhere because he knew he had a message that had to get out to the entire world. His message was the only hope for people to make it to heaven and be with God for eternity. This message mattered to Jesus. And this passage here shows about his beautiful heart. He so wanted to tell others about this. He wanted to get the good news out. He had to preach the gospel of the kingdom. He had to see people that were bound be freed through healing. He had to get the message out. He wasn't content with people carrying sicknesses and diseases. Jesus Christ wanted to get his message out. He wanted to get the message out. And then it goes on to say that he had great compassion because it says that when he saw the multitudes, he was moved with compassion for them. Why? Because they were weary. They were scattered. They were like sheep having no shepherd. I want to remind us here tonight, I don't care how flashy someone looks, I don't care what suit they're wearing, what European car they're driving, if they do not have Jesus Christ as their Lord and their Saviour, inside they are scattered, they are weary, they don't have the confidence inside of them of where they will spend eternity. They are lost. And there is a lot of people there is way too many people in our city, whether they look flashy or not, but if they don't have Jesus Christ as their Lord and their Savior, they need to have him as that. And it's up to us as the church to get the good news out, to deliver what we have, the confidence that we have for our lives and get that out to other people because there is just too many people in our local community here. I saw too many people today on the road I drove to Bankstown and back. I drove to Parramatta. 
and got a haircut. Thank you. I know it looks great. I drove here to Silverwater tonight. I passed too many people on the roads today who were not going to be in the house of God today. When you live in a city where about 5% of people attend church on any given Sunday, you live in a city where there are too many people scattered and lost. And it's up to us to have a great passion and a desire and a want on the inside of us to make a difference. Because they're lost. And there's got to be some urgency from us because they're lost. When I had my eldest daughter, Sienna, it was about three, we were shopping in a place uh, on the northern beaches of Sydney called, uh, it's Warrywood Central. It's a shopping centre. And inside that shopping centre is a Coles. And I was there once, and Natalie wasn't with me this day. And I was with Sienna, and she was like three. And who knows that three-year-olds, when they don't want to be in the stroller and they want to walk, they're, they're hard to kind of keep close. Well, I was wandering the, uh, the shops this day in Coles, and as I kind of went down an aisle, I ran into uh, one of my best friend's father. I used to go to church with this gentleman in the church I grew up in. His name's Lionel, and I started to have a chat to Lionel. I knew Lionel quite well from that part of my life, and uh, Sienna was with me for a moment, and then I got kind of in this conversation like my wife will know I do sometimes, and... <laughs> And got involved chatting to Lionel and uh, talking and having a bit of a catch-up. And I don't know how long we spoke for, but it wasn't too long. But maybe after a couple of minutes when I looked around and thought, oh, Sienna's gone. Um, I better kind of bring the conversation to a bit of a close. So I, <laughs> lovely seeing you, Lionel. I better go find my daughter now. And I just like, yeah, good, Jen. I came to the end of my aisle. I thought, oh, she's either going to be, you know, at the end of the aisle I'll see her or I'll just be down one of the sides. And I started to journey down this way and look down the aisle, look down another aisle, another aisle, another aisle, because Coles, who knows, there's like too many aisles in Coles, it's like 18 or 20, and I went all the way to the right, guess what, no three-year-old Sienna, I'm like, it's cool, she's gone the other way, so I kind of just casually, you know, cool dad, start going down the, the other side, no Sienna, no Sienna, no Sienna, no Sienna, no Sienna, no Sienna, when I'm probably about two from the end, I start thinking, No Sienna, how am I going to tell this to Natalie? No Sienna, how am I going to tell this to Natalie? I went all the way down that way, couldn't find her. I thought, oh, it's okay, what has happened? She's gone down an aisle, and then she's like hiding at the end of an aisle. So I just thought, it's easy, I'll just go straight down this aisle, and then I'll just see her, and I kind of come down to the end, and I look, guess what? No Sienna. So I start running down, left, right, no Sienna, no Sienna, no Sienna. Oh no, what's not going to think? What's not going to think? How am I going to tell her? Do I call her now? Do I call her now? I've lost my daughter. lost my daughter. I am running around Coles frantic by this stage. I'm thinking, I'm starting to move and gather pace, still kind of trying to look cool and not like panic attack father. And I'm pretty sure I crossed Lionel a couple of times. So he's seen this guy go whoosh down the aisle, whoosh down the aisle, no kid. I'm like, she's gone. I had no idea. I could not find her in Coles. I kind of ran up to the the registries, and I'm like, what do I do? Now, as I said, it was in a shopping center, and then as I kind of got near the front of the uh, Coles supermarket, I I glance up, and who do I see sitting on one of those little $2 coin cars? (laughs) Little Sienna, three-year-old Sienna. She'd obviously spotted that on the way in and couldn't wait to make her run for it. As happy as Larry, I came up very cool and collective. Hi, sweetie, how you doing? (laughs) Never do that again, no. But something so precious to me was lost. 
and I started to get an urgency on the side of me to go and find my lost daughter. And I think for all of us, there needs to be an urgency on the inside of us for those that are lost, that those that don't have the assurance that I have, because I count that as a great blessing to walk earth knowing without a shadow of a doubt because of my relationship with Jesus I'm on my way to heaven that is a glorious thing I'm not lost I'm secure I know where my eternity is but so many people don't have that and it's our job as people in the church to do all we can so that other people can have that assurance for their life I don't necessarily ponder and think about hell that often but I gave it a few moments thought this week I've never come and preached a whole message on hell I don't have a preach title called turn or burn or anything like that it's not generally what I do from the pulpit a lot but I think it's kind of healthy to occasionally pause and just just think just for a moment the reality of hell Jesus spoke about it and when Jesus talks about this place where there is weeping and gnashing of teeth and I pause on those two terms alone and I just think and it's for eternity I start to really get how urgent this thing is I mean I don't like having a cold I got one the other day for a couple of days how bad is it when you get one for a week we're talking about eternity separated from God that's not a good thing and as the people of the house of God I think sometimes just a moment to think about that, just to get kind of clarity on what we should be doing in this life and putting effort and time and resources in. It's a, it's a good little thing just to consider, just for some small pockets of time. Because so quickly we find ourselves consumed with the now for our own lives. We don't always consider what's ahead. My wife and I occasionally, we're watching the TV and we might flick onto those shows that are like, I don't know, there's these American shows about these couples or families that want to go and find like the, the, the ideal kind of sea escape home and they're down in the Bahamas or Mexico and they're walking around and like, good on them, awesome, you know, that they're in a position to go and do that. But so often you, you hear the way they talk about wanting this lifestyle and, and obviously it's got a great view and they find these beautiful places but deep down I'm just like that's actually so empty it's so about kind of me it's they just seem like they've lived all their life for some of them or, or say for 20 or 30 years to get in that position just to sip lattes and cocktails by the ocean I thought there's so much more to life than just that I'm just glad that we as a church have a great purpose and a great mission and a great vision and that it's, it's for eternity and it matters for people's, the souls of people. I'm so grateful as a church that we know where we're heading and we're taking ground and we're moving forward and I want to be part of that. And that's why when I heard about Vision Builder 16 years ago, I said, I am in because I wanted to join with that. I wanted to be part of that. And I just love that we can just follow in behind Jesus. He went out there spreading his great story and we're the ones that get to do it today. Because Jesus goes on after he's talking about these and he says, you know, the harvest, it's plentiful, the laborers are few. Therefore pray the Lord of the harvest to send out laborers. So there's this core for prayer and obviously praying is one of the, the key things we should always do. 
because there is a harvest before us. There's so many people, like I said, that aren't in church, that don't have Jesus as their rock, and they need to do it. And we need to be focused on that and praying into that. But what I noticed was, after this, what we read, you see, we read chapters 9 and chapters 10, but the original writings of these scriptures didn't divide them like that. They were, they were, they were continuous. So sometimes we kind of finish on one chapter and we just assume it, it could be years until the next chapter starts. And although we don't particularly know, this could be quite close together because there's Jesus saying, you know, I'm out there preaching the good news. And then he's talking about, you know, I'm doing that. And then he's there, I'm out there, and I'm healing the sick. And then he's got the the compassion for the lost. And then he's like, pray, pray, we've got to do something about this. And, And then we go straight on to him saying, when he called his 12 disciples to him, he gave them power over unclean spirits to cast them out, to heal all kinds of sickness and all kinds of disease. So he then says, Here's something for you to do now. He, he, he's giving them the power. And he's like, you go and do this. You go and do this. And then in verse 5, these 12 Jesus sent out and commanded them saying, do not go into the way of the Gentiles. Do not enter a city of the Samaritans, but go rather to the lost sheep of the house of Israel, talking of the Jews. And as you go, preach saying, the kingdom of heaven is at hand. Heal the sick, cleanse the lepers, raise the dead, cast out demons. And here we have Jesus, exactly what we've just read he was doing, he then gets his disciples to do. It's like he couldn't do it all on his own. Even in them, it wasn't like, sit back, guys, I've got this. It's no, no, I need you to do it. I need you to go out. I need you to go out and preach the good news. I need you to go out and heal people. I need you to cast out demons. I need you to go out. And the exciting news is, church, we can go out. We can go out together. This is the most exciting thing on the planet is to be people who say, I'm going out, I'm going out. Just like the last commission says, we go, we go, we go, we go, we go and make disciples. We go and we lead people under him. It's in the go, it's got action. And I love that, that we can all be part of this and go, yes, we are going to make a difference. Yes, I'm going to put up my hand and say yes to being a vision builder. What a privilege, what an honor each and every one of us has to do this, to transform this world with the good news of Jesus Christ. Who thinks that's a good idea? I certainly do. And I love doing it, love doing it with my wife. I love our family. We're about this. And I just love that at the core of our church is a passion and a mandate to reach the world for Jesus Together, I tell you, we are building a legacy of transformed lives, and we achieve so much. I am so grateful we are part of a church that achieves so much. Looking back even over the last 12 months, you know, wiping out the debt at Oxford Falls, and now we're putting our teeth into the debt here at Silverwater. And I was just thinking about that. Do you know what? Without this program, we would not be in this building tonight, full stop. Without the people that have gone before us and put up their hands to say, I'm going to be a vision builder, we would not have this building at Silverwater. We would not have been able to purchase it. But it's because some, many in this place and some before that have gone and said, yes, we will build the house of God. We will put resources into building. We will get into this vision. Because people have gone before us, 
we are here tonight. It is the only way possible we would have been able to put down a deposit to purchase this building that we did a few years ago. I think that's worth giving the Lord a round of applause because I'm grateful. And to think about, this is a place now for us. It's a place for our children. It's a place for our children's children. This is the glorious house of God. To think that we've done that, to think that through the television program, Your Best Life, that we're broadcast all around the world to millions of people. That's us. That's what we are doing as a church that leads to 800 people getting saved in India alone every month. To think that we started another extension service in Mossman because of this great program last year and we'll go and start one in Parramatta in the 12 months coming up. We're going forward to think that we've been you know, maintaining, upgrading facilities for C3 college students to be trained. I would have streamed Presence Conference for free all around the globe, training over a 1,000 church leaders representing 100 churches across C3 Africa and Southeast Asia. These are the kind of things that we've done and achieved, helping other church planning in Indonesia and the Philippines, helping local pastors in Uganda set up businesses and helping that society. We have, you know this, we have a, a radio station coming out of our C3 church in Kitgum, northern Uganda, that goes to half a million people, broadcasting the message, helping them in life. These are some of the things that we do as a church, teaching a 1,000 students in Scripture every week, feeding 1,500 people, children in Sri Lanka, helping address issues of youth suicide and depression through a number of organizations. We, the list goes on and on and on and on. This is us as the church making a difference in our community through our C3 Cares here in Sydney and abroad. I'm so excited. I love that this is what we do. But I'm so excited that we do this. And I'm so excited that we all keep doing this. Because we don't want what we have in here to remain in here. We want it out there. We want this place known to the world, known to Sydney, what happens in the house of God. Because I tell you what, this place changed my life and I want it to change other people's lives. I want it to change other people's lives the way it has changed my life. We are reaching the lost world. We are building the church. And what a privilege that is to build the house of God, to build. This is the body of Christ, the, the word of God talks about it. This is the bride of Christ. This is what Jesus gave his life for, was for the church for the house of God, and each and every one of us is part of building this thing. I love building things. Most times I like building Lego with my son, except when you've got to do it for hours on end. But I like putting things together, but there's no greater joy than building the house of God. It is a glorious place. It is the most delightful place on the planet Earth. Why? Because it changes lives. It gives people hope who are hopeless. It sees people saved who are lost. This place matters, and we're all part of this. The church isn't that. It's this. It's us. It's us, each and every one of us, with all of our Nigerian, Italian, Lebanese, you know, all of us, us Australians here, whoever we are, whatever our background, we are building this. It's a glorious place, and it's a wonderful, and I'm glad to be a vision builder. I'm glad to be someone because I tell you what, when I first heard about this, I was like, I was really moved by the bigness of our vision as a church, but I loved it. 
I just thought, wow. I loved hearing about what we've achieved and what we're going for in the future. You know, we want to have 100 locations in Sydney. We've got 10 right now. A number of years ago, we had four. We've got 10 right now. We want to go for 100. Isn't that exciting? 100 places, like C3 churches. Do you know, like, you know, you drive around your suburbs sometimes, and there's, like, which is awesome, Anglican churches, just about on every second corner, it feels like, and these beautiful uniting churches, and there's Catholic churches. We're going for C3 churches like that. Like, you turn the corner. Oh, there's another one. Oh, there's another one. There's another one. This is what we're going for. We want to get this out. And I'm just, when I heard the faith of this, it helped me. Because, man, I grew up, and I don't know, I didn't always have a lot of faith. I remember when I was about 15 or 16, it was Christmas time, and I'm one of six, so when it was Christmas time, it was an expensive time, because when you've got to buy presents for your mum and your dad and all your siblings, so you know what I did? I went to Franklin's, who can remember Franklin's? Franklin's at Moor on the Northern Beaches, I went into Franklin's and I brought a Willow Esky, and it was a gift for the whole family. <laughs> it was burgundy in colour. And it was one purchase. It was about $18. And I thought, ah, Esky, we had those, you know those ones that just kind of crumble and break? Like, it, had, oh, it was terrible. It was odd. I thought, oh, we need a new Esky. Hey, I can just get one present for the whole family and I'm done. So I brought, that was how big my thinking was. <laughs> one Esky for $18 for my whole family. That equates to like a couple of dollars each. Now, that's stingy. That's small-minded. I'm just glad that I found myself in C3 Church because all of a sudden, my mind was expanded. I started hearing about things like this, about people who wouldn't just take the first 10% and bring their tithe, but would go beyond that to go, no, I want to do more than that. I want to be a vision builder. And that's what people have done before us. And I remember as a young married couple, we, uh, you know, and it's about all getting on board to the capacity what works. But I tell you what, if you want to take a big leap of step of faith, this is the time. It's a brilliant thing. And I can remember as young married couples with an old car, with just nothing to our name except hex debts and all of those things, we uh, decided to go, yep, we're in. I can remember the first time, Natalie and myself, she was still studying, I was working, and we heard this vision, this is like 16 years ago, and we said, we're going to commit $6,000 to this over the coming 12 months. And do you know what I'm so grateful for? The faithfulness of God. Because as we wrote on that thing, that we will commit that amount of money over the coming 12 months. Two weeks later, I'm at work. My boss pulls me. I can still, I can still remember where he took me to. He took me outside of the building. This had never happened, and it never happened since. He pulled me aside and said, hey, I just want to give you, give you this. It was a check for $4,000. Two-thirds of it came in within two weeks. I just stood there in awe of my God. I thought, I took a step of faith, this young you know, young, young married couple because we wanted to build the house and bam, God comes through. And I look back now and I'm just so grateful that we got on board. I'm so grateful that we would say yes to him. I'm so grateful that we would say we're in. And there were sacrifices as there always is as you step out. For many years, we uh, shared a car. I used to have to go to work and go down and catch buses and get lifts and my wife even once brought me some kakadu gel hand warmers we found them in the garage last weekend they're like kind of these things you'd pop in boiling water for five minutes and they go all jelly and i'd pop them in my pockets and then i'd walk down to the bus stop because i had about a two kilometer walk to get down to the bus stop freezing winter early in the morning 
There were sacrifices, but I'm so grateful we made every one of them because we are in to building the house of God and he is faithful. He is faithful. Last night I went for a little walk and I'll end on this story and I did a kind of a loop around the block and then uh, I walked down the end of the cul-de-sac and as I came back up to my house, I just kind of had my head down and we park our cars in the driveway, not in the, in the garage. And as I walked past, I just kind of glanced my number plate of my car. It's got my initials on it because my mum gave it to me once and she'd cry if I got rid of these number plates. And it's got HT on it. And uh, Natalie's has NT because my sister's name was Nadina Taylor and then she got married. So these number plates in the family were donated to Natalie. But as I looked there, I just kind of paused in the dark and just kind of saw the two cars that we had in the driveway that are, you know, safe cars that I'm gracious for and really thankful for. And I looked up at my, you know, little house that we live in. It's not a mansion, but it's, it's our house. We're making memories in there. And it was kind of bedtime and, you know, a few lights on in the house. And I stood there half thinking, I wonder if a neighbor's thinking there's a stalker out the front of Hartley's house because I kind of like, you know, in my jacket and, but I just stood there and I just thought about the faithfulness of my God. If I could have seen a snapshot 20 years ago that I'd end up with a wife like Natalie with three beautiful children getting to do what we do, build the house of God. I would have probably said, no way, that's unbelievable. But here I am. And I stood there with such gratitude in my heart to my God because he is good and he is faithful and I love joining with him and ever since we got married we've been building the house we've been given to this program and we're not going to stop we'll continue to sow our lives into this to give into this because we believe in it we know it makes a difference we know that there are people and they are lost and they are scattered and they need to know the good.